Yeah, all right. So, um, for those of you listening, this may this may just be a whole it may end up being a whole separate podcast. Um, depending on how long we go, but bonus maybe, episode. Yeah, bonus little content. But I want to thank you guys for listening. And yeah, we got uh, we got uh, Jake again here, Jake the Snake. Um, Justin, my boy Justin Duvarney. Um, it was a just it's just Duvarney, right on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And we're just gonna get real, man. Like we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the stuff that's happening. We uh, we're here in Atlanta, all three of us. We play a lot of golf together recently, and we've been seeing stuff going on here, not only here in Atlanta but in Minneapolis. Um, we're highly aware. Um, obviously, if you can't tell from my voice, I am black. So but I you support. Said white. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're a white black man. <laughs> But <laughs> but um, it's, it's funny though because yeah, I think I think Dustin Dustin's you're mixed, right? Biracial. Yeah, yeah. He sounds black and I do. So <laughs> just, I find that nice. hilarious. Like I'm I'm I love me some meat, but <laughs> other people <laughs> would find it more hilarious than than I do. <laughs> and it, and it's it's hard to get whiter than I am. <laughs> like I I blind people. <laughs> I'm I'm a lot of Irish in me. We got Jake the ghost over here. <laughs> but so, so my 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 boss my boss is black and he uh, he has a, a very like Irish name, um, and so he says that he he tries to claim that he's black Irish, and so <laughs> what I always tell him is I say I ask him if that's where I get my freckles from. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna talk about. Um, I don't know if Jake saw it, but I know, I know me and Dustin saw um, some of the comments in Brooks. I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked and checked yet who, like, what all PGA Tour players have posted the infamous black square, but um, I know for sure Brooks did, and um, <laughs> he didn't even say – like, he didn't, his caption, he didn't even say anything. And then just immediately, you know, we had, you know, a bunch of – white golfers in, in the community just lashing out saying, oh my God, you support rioters, you support looters and, you know, just putting words in his mouth and I mean, thankfully, like, I just brought his shoes, I just bought his shoes. Shout out Bruce Kevin. Um, <laughs> um, he certainly but, clapped back. Yeah, he, he was not, he was not withholding uh, too much on the, in the comments. It, that was, that was cool to see as a, you know, a black person, as a black golfer, that was, Dope to see him not, you know, backing down. They were saying some stupid stuff. I, I will, I will say, man, like, you know, as a person of color, like, I greatly appreciate that stuff, right? I mean, it takes, it takes allies to really change things, and you know, I mean, in this current environment, the situation right now, we're talking about black oppression, right? And so, I mean. Yeah, black people can talk about black oppression all they want, but we're not the ones oppressing ourselves, right? <laughs> right. So it takes allies of other persuasions to help the cause. Right. And so, especially probably in a in a sport like golf, which is not as diverse as most sports, um, to have someone like Brooks, you know, really being the face of, I guess maybe this new generation of golfers in a way, um, is huge. I think yeah. it's huge. Yeah, it's a big um, – I think it's a big deal because, like I said, I don't know who's all posted anything. I haven't seen if JT or Rory or who else has posted anything. But 
even if it's just one, even if it's just Brooks, and you know, as that still says a lot. Because I mean, it's more than you know. Before last year, I don't even think when stuff was going on, like I don't think anybody did anything on as far as the golf, as far as PGA Tour goes. Um, Not even Tiger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, Tiger waited a minute. Then for this time, he he waited <laughs> straight up. And I know a lot of people um, <laughs> in the black community weren't really happy with his response. Thought it was yeah. too PC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I th- and and Dion and I talked about this a little bit. I, th- I think and and I like say this sarcastically, but my my favorite part is, is you see with the NFL and and you see the fact that they when Kaepernick started kneeling they came out and said oh well that's that's not appropriate we're not we're not protesting in the middle of games well now all the rioting happens they say oh well we want peaceful protests it's like okay well which is it like imagine I think I think it was Nike it might have been Nike or, or or no it was the Houston Chronicle I think posted and it said imagine if we had um if we had joined in the in uh Colin Kaepernick's form of protest imagine where we would be today and hopefully like we would we would have been able to avoid all these things because I mean I think and and something that I didn't quite understand and and I'm the the white guy so maybe a lot of people won't care about my opinion on this but but the (laughs) what I didn't I didn't understand like growing up because I I I grew up in a very white and Asian neighborhood. So I was aware of, of prejudice towards Asian people, but I think there were only about five kids in my high, black kids in my high school. And we had a graduating class of 700. So it wasn't until I got to college till I really, that I really understood what that looked like. And and even now I I don't want to say that I understand it. I'm empathetic towards it. And, and, hope to be part of change but I'm never gonna claim to know what that feels like and I mean I've been bullied for having red hair but I certainly never feared for my life getting pulled over by a cop and so I think a lot of people a lot of white people and and I'll say this when I was in high school I I probably was part of that group that said whenever people said black lives matter I probably said all lives matter and and didn't quite understand it now <clears throat> having lived in DC, having lived in Atlanta, I see what that actually means. It's not that it's not that Black lives are are matter more or less than anything else. It's that they should everything should be all lives should be considered equal. And and as much as we say that they are, it's it's clear that our justice justice system doesn't agree. Exactly, exactly. And, and to that point, I was actually having that debate with someone today. Like I I posted something. And, you know, you, you get the triggered trolls that come out, you know, with the simpleton takes. And, you know, he basically accused me. Well, first off, he started off with, you know, all caps, all lives matter, you know, it was like rambling on. And, and then he and then it and then it turned into, you know, well, good, glad to know that you think black lives matter than my life. And, and this right putting words into my mouth. Yeah, and I said like, yo. First off, I literally have never said that your life doesn't matter. Yeah, we're talking about in this instance of police brutality and also the Ahmad Aubrey, right? So mm-hmm. you know, another instance outside of police, um, where in this construct we're talking about Black lives right now. That doesn't mean that other lives don't matter. 
Yeah. And I think one of the things that like I struggle with with the All Lives Matter crew is if all lives really matter, why are you not joining the movement? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that because that's that's the thing is Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is part of All Lives Matter. Exactly. So it's like Black it, Lives Matter, but or Black Lives yeah. Matter more. Yeah. Exactly. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, uh, even even for me being uh, black, uh, like originally, that's probably really until today. Like, I was like, man, black lives matter. I mean, yeah, it's true. But like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, everybody's lives matter. Like, I was kind of against the whole thing just because, like, it seems. It, I guess it's a way. I guess it depends on who's saying it. Like, because it can come off, depending on depending on how they say it or what kind what kind of context they use it, it can come off. A like black lives like, only matter like nobody else cares because nobody's cared about us for you know years and years and years. But it's like now like, I'm understanding like, hey, like this is you know at, at this moment in time, this moment in history, like we're talking about black lives, and for for whatever reason that day, George's black life didn't matter. So <laughs> until we get to a point to where you know they're not you know just doing that kind of stuff to us and we're like everyone's like hey everyone knows every 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 police every chief every you know whatever until like it's just an understanding like hey we just don't do this kind of stuff like then you know black lives matter like (laughs) yeah yeah i I think it it goes back to some of the stuff we were were talking about the other day uh d hunt right so uh, another refrain that I feel like commonly gets thrown around is, well, you know, what about black on black crime, right? What, what, well, what about black people, you know, needing to pull themselves up and do better? And those are all fair points, right? Mm-hmm. But that is not the discussion we're having right now about mm-hmm. systematic oppression. Yeah. And like, if we just deal with the facts, the facts are that a a black man is two and a half times more likely to be killed by a police officer. You know, a a, a black man is at least 10 times more likely to be incarcerated than his white counterpart. And these are just facts, right? Like black people make up in the teens of the the US population. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the exact data count is, but I think it's somewhere around like 12 to 14%. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think it's like 13. Yeah. But they make up over 60% of the federal penitentiary uh, population. Yeah. Inherently, Black people are not more likely, they're not any more like criminalistic than any other group of people. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're all literally the same. Now, (laughs) we can have like a far more nuanced discussion about like the economics, the education, other things that impact maybe some of these behaviors that make it so uh, black folks, I guess, overall, it may seem like we're more, more likely to be a criminal or more likely to be less educated or you know, not doing enough for ourselves. But to me, that's like a whole entire Other discussion. discussion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think for, from the from the white man perspective i think that the the white privilege is very real and like i said it's something that i didn't understand and didn't think was fair even coming up through college i didn't understand why 
why race played a role in hiring or or who who got different internships and stuff and then kind of as I, I've gotten older and realized like the white privilege is very real it doesn't mean that I haven't had to work hard to get where I am but there are definitely things that I haven't had to deal with that has made my life easier and I think that that's something that and and I think even further I think that kind of and why I'm I'm really happy that we're we're having this conversation on the pod is that I think that white people tend to not not only further the oppression but suppress the conversation it's because it makes us uncomfortable and I th- I um I was recommended uh this I can't remember I think it's called a book called White Fragility and I'm I'm, yep. I'm planning on reading it soon but it's basically just about why is it so hard for white people to talk about race? And in general, the premises is that we don't understand the issues because we haven't had to deal with them. And, and I mean, it's, it would be like the three of us going into a quantum quantum physics class. It's like, okay, well, if you don't, if you don't understand and you can't put yourself in the position of, of what's happening with these molecules and and quantum quantum physics like you're not gonna be able to understand it and so if i can't put myself in the shoes of of getting pulled over and thinking what's in so when i get pulled over i think shit like how fast was i going how much am i gonna get fined like i i don't know what it feels like to get pulled over and think oh man like what what's about to happen like, like it's a very simple transaction for me. And so um, just trying to keep the conversation going and I think educate. And I think to, to that point, I think, so Tiger, Tiger Woods posted on Instagram a statement and talks about, I think it's so quote, my heart goes out to, uh, to George Floyd, his loved ones and all of us who are hurting right now. I have always had the utmost respect for our law enforcement. Uh, they train so diligently to understand how, when and where to use force. This shocking tragedy clearly crossed that line. I remember the LA riots and learned that education is the best path forward. We can make our points without burning the very neighborhoods that we live in. I hope that through constructive and honest conversations, we can build a safer and unified society. And I think I think that really hits a nail on the head. I mean, in my opinion, um, I do think that education is the most valuable weapon we have to to drive this down and, and someday eliminate it. I mean, I think that Arian Foster on, I, I would highly recommend people listening to um, Arian Foster's interview on Pardon My Take, uh, one of the Barstool podcasts. And I think that the, they talked about how small victories are really important and Fast. taking taking those steps to to avoid being where we are now in five, 10, 20 years so that we're not like, like we're, we're, we're obviously in a better place than we were 30 years ago, but, and we're not there yet. So. Yeah. And I think it goes, it goes back to just America and um, really what makes this country uh, so amazing, but also so frustrating at the same time. Right. I mean, it, it is it is truly a real time experiment where you have all of it's a melting pot, right? You have all of these groups of people. And generally speaking, there's no doubt, I would say, that America is a phenomenal country. But 
just like you would want to do for a loved one who might not be living up to their potential, we should also want to do for our country, right? And that's where I have an issue with some people who get very uh, defensive when talking about America's faults, yeah. right? You, you hear from a lot of people, oh, well, if you don't like the country, leave. And it's like, <laughs> But you would never, again, you would never treat a loved one like that, right? Like yeah. if, if there was constructive criticism that you could give to a loved one, you'd be like, yo, you need to do X, Y, Z because this is right, this is wrong. Or because I know you can do better. Right. And I don't know why we can't have those same nuanced discussions about our country. Because I think just because you criticize America for its faults, it doesn't make you any less of a patriot. It doesn't make you love the country any less. It just means that you want the country to strive to its ideals that it was supposedly founded upon. Right. I think um, I think it has a lot to do with the the kind of culture we're living in now. Like, just you know, everyone having an opinion, but so many people not being <laughs> as educated as they pronounce themselves to be. Like, I mean, there's so many people on each side, far left, far right who do the same thing. Like, they're like, I mean, they're, you know, they tend to be a patriot and, you know, be about America, but they're racist. Or they, they're left and they claim to be accepting of everybody, but, I mean, come on, they're racist. So. <laughs> yeah, look at, like, I mean, the most anti-establishment groups in America are the, are the alt-right, like, the supposedly, like, freedom fighters, which is ridiculous. So <laughs> they're the ones who claim that, like, our country is so great, but then they're the ones who want to tear it down and want anarchy. So yeah. it's, I it, mean, it's... It is fascinating. I was actually just watching a YouTube video from Vice about, like, the three percenters. <laughs> and, um, and about... It was just, it was like an alternate universe, man. And it just so happened, actually, oddly enough, that... Um, the group that they were following of the three percenters was in Georgia. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah and it, it, to your point, um, it's completely antithetical to being a patriot, right? I mean, again, you can love the country and still find, like, talk about its faults and have constructive criticism. That doesn't mean you love the country any less. Yeah. And I find it just fascinating, like, uh, this nostalgia for factions or um, movements that are very anti-US. <laughs> like, you know, we could talk about the Civil War and, you know, the whole debate on, I mean, it's not even a debate. I don't know, <laughs> that is ridiculous, right? But like, like, people will say, oh, like the Confederacy, like that's Southern history. We didn't want, you know, it's not about the slavery. It was like, what? It's literally what it was about. It's literally <laughs> what it was about. And you now, have now, like, I, under, I understand that it is history. And I think it, I actually think it's, it's very important to learn about it because you learn from your mistakes. And yes. that was clearly the, I mean, that's the biggest black eye in American history. No, no exactly. pun intended. Like, that's straight like, up. You still have people like flying the flags and the stickers and, you know, the monuments and, right? Like you don't see yeah. that, you, you don't see people like celebrating that stuff over in Germany. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nazi flags like and monuments to Hitler so because you, it's history. You can get, so if you say 
um, what's the what's the the Sig Heil? If you say that in Germany, you're you can get uh, in prison for up to three years. What for saying that in public? That that's a, and that's an example of like if if like if someone says the N word, like you should be able to be in prison. Like it's it's I don't that's what I don't understand why it's why what's the difference? Like I mean it's it's two horrible black eyes that violated civil rights of humans. Like that's yeah. that's what we're trying to erase. That's what like, <clears throat> we're trying to erase that history. Exactly. That's where I think um like to a certain extent that's where I think uh Europeans come are a little bit better than i mean they have i mean obviously we're, we're well, honestly we're in the best country in the in 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 the world but europeans do have a point because they they seem to care more about their people versus the establishment or versus well some places we'll say that than they do um you know the corporations and so like that i was talking to a guy today on the course he's from london and He's like, yeah, man, like, you know, you know, we have free healthcare, we have free this, but it's not up to par with what you have here in America because, you know, whatever. And he was, he was also saying like, you know, in London or in uh, Sweden or those kind of places, they, they have like 40 days off from work. We're here in America, like you're, you're lucky if you get 14. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> and I think you nailed Justin's point perfectly is that like, I mean, like, we're all upset with where the current civil justice system is in America, but we all, we all believe it's the best country in the world. And the reason we want it to be better is because we want it to remain the best country in the world. We want, we want people to come here from other countries. We want to, I mean, it's like having a nice house. It's like, you want people to come over and see your house. You want people to come to your country club and play golf because you're proud of it. And if you see a, if you see a flaw at your country club and you see that the greens are shitty or there's, <laughs> there's bad drainage, you go tell the maintenance crew and say, Hey, we need to fix this. Cause this is embarrassing. Yeah. And in, a, in, in America, we say, Hey guys, we need to continue this conversation. We need to educate people. We need to understand what, fi figure out what the, root issue is and solve it i mean i mean we're not we're not policy makers but i mean that's that's we, we want to keep this going we don't we don't want blackout tuesday to be something that we say hey remember three weeks ago when we did that blackout tuesday thing do you remember what that was like that it's <laughs> yeah. it's we don't want it to be a blip in time we want it to start a movement like justin said yeah, yeah. I, I i think it comes down to just one, having honest discussions. Two, I do think America needs to do like an honest, thorough revision of the way that we've been taught history because it hasn't been until my latter 20s that I've, you know, now I'm a, I'm a lot more, I have opinions, I'm a better critical thinker. I know how to take facts and formulate my own opinion. And when you juxtapose the, the, the history and the tough um, things that have gone on in this country to like what we were taught in the rosy picture in many cases that, that you learn in history, 
it just couldn't be further from like what actually happened. Um, yeah. And I don't know, just like a, a random plug for like the History Channel. They they had um, they had a, a, a big series. So the Men Who Made America uh, is a really good one. Um, and they they have three different or two different series, but it's a docu series. So yeah. one of it is about uh, the frontiersmen and basically like how this country was formed. And it like talks about it in a very real sense, right? The plights of the Indians, like the fact that, you know, Andrew Jackson, like, yes, he played a big role in the expansion of, of America, right? And, and the territory that we ended up um, discovering right. towards the West. But then like, it also, touched upon the fact that because of the land deals that he made in Alabama and in Georgia and those agreements that he had with Southern plantation owners, that in large part is what extended slavery. Oh, wow. Right. But like, you don't learn these things. Right. Um, and another, <laughs> no, and another great one was, um, Leonardo DiCaprio on the History Channel, they did a, a docu-series on Ulysses S. Grant. Yeah. And again, you don't realize how much of a G Grant was. <laughs> and I'm from Virginia, Northern Virginia, where Robert E. Lee is from. And as a kid, I'm not gonna sit there and say, you know, people were like, oh man, Robert E. Lee was, he was, you know, just this amazing man. But in a lot of the, like the teachings and the books you read, it paints that picture. You know, yeah, yeah. I was I always viewed him as um, I don't know. I feel like somebody who was like he was a great leader, or people thought of him as such a great man that he kind of got stuck with being the general. But I mean, a, a certain part of him had to be like, "Yo, like, yo, this is my shit. Like, these are my people. Like, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to do this." I mean, because like, what kind of a person leads all? I mean, thousands millions of people into war, and you're. You're like, oh, well, I guess I'll do it. Like, oh, oh, humble Art Robert E. Lee. Like, no, man, there had, there had to be more to it than, than that. You don't just do that. You don't just get millions of people killed and be like, oh, I didn't really want to do this. <laughs> 100%. I mean, he was, he was top of his class in West Point. He came from a very prestigious uh, family in Virginia. I think his father was actually like a general in the Revolution War. He married the great granddaughter of uh, George Washington, right? So he's a part of this cabal of very prestigious families. Yeah, it's not a foundation, bro. Exactly. George Washington. Exactly. And and the way (laughs) it's framed is that he loved Virginia above all else. And the idea of Virginia seceding and him not fighting for Virginia was unthinkable. But again, we get down to the, the crux, the root cause of the Civil War. It was all about slavery. And the yeah. fact that the South felt as though Black people were property and they were not going to give up their property. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, you know, again, like if we could just like the education, right, going back and actually teaching these things, mm-hmm. it, it helps us understand why, yes, things have progressed a lot, but maybe there's a reason why it hasn't progressed as much. Right. right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe a lot of this is baked into who we are as a country, which it is. I mean, it's just a fact. Civil, yeah. You know, the Civil yeah. War, then you got Jim Crow, 
I mean, it's crazy to think like my dad was one of the first classes in high school to be at an integrated school. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's, a, that's what I think. I don't think like a lot of people realize how, like how soon ago, or like how long ago it really was since any of this really changed dramatically. Exactly. I mean, super reason. We're talking about the like sixties and seventies. Like we're not, yeah. we're not talking about like the eighteen hundreds when exactly. the Civil War happened. Like <laughs> this is, this is not that long ago. Yeah, I will say, uh, my my dad. Like I'm not super close to my dad or anything, but I just found this out recently. He was the first African American to graduate from the School of Architecture at uh, University of Mississippi or no Mississippi State. Oh, okay, Mississippi State. Which, if you know anything yeah, about Mississippi, careful with that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are fighting words. Screw, yeah, <laughs> screw Ole Miss, screw you. But uh, Mississippi, yeah, Mississippi State, go Bulldogs. He, yeah, he was the first African American to graduate from the School of Architecture there. And um, I mean, like, it's, you know, something he doesn't he doesn't really brag about because, like I said, I just found out about this. But I was like, that's, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty dope. Like, I didn't know he had to go through that before he, you know, came and moved here and uprooted himself from there. But I'm like. If you go if you know anything if you've ever been through mississippi be like okay of course like you have to get out of there like mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're so far behind like i i have his obviously his family is from there um so i used to go visit and you just i'm just like dude when can i get back to atlanta like you know i, I appreciate you know meeting the the fam the uncles the aunties and stuff but that, i mean when can i get back to the current timeline like <laughs> yeah, the civilization <laughs> right <laughs> Although I will say we do we do need to take some weekend trips out to like Biloxi and play some golf courses out there. Biloxi, they got yeah, some Biloxi gems out there. Is cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Biloxi is cool. Golf, golf Shores in Alabama, they got some cool spots. But I mean, you cool. get after that. And but I guess to tie all this back into golf, um, there's so much money in tied up in golf. And I mean, if we look at the companies that are associated with some of the bigger tournaments. And who run these companies, you know, and then you look at the people who are playing golf, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, dang, like, it would be a huge help if these companies and these, you know, players, like, you know, supported um, people of color, you know. Um, So it's kind of like, you don't, I mean, you kind of know it, like, I've been to a few private um, golf courses now recently. Um, overall, I've been treated well, like by the staff and whatever other members I've met out there. Um, there's, <laughs> there's been one that where I was just like, yeah, I would, I wouldn't even like, it's a great course. I would, I would never want to be a member here because of how I was treated by members. Like it wasn't like anything like egregious, like it's outlandish, but yeah, it's not overt. It's yeah, subtle, not, not overt. subtle racism. Yeah. Just, but I'm, I'm literally standing to next to someone I know who's they, you know, quote-unquote respect and you know he's showing him stuff talking about his business or whatever i'm sitting next to this guy he's a white guy the member is a white person they're conversing they're, they're talking come up to him maybe two or three other other ones other people come up and talk to him neither one of them look at me and ask me who i am what my name is don't even recognize like it's like you're a ghost yeah it's mm-hmm. just like this thing is standing here next to this person i'm trying to talk to Yep. I was like, "What's <laughs> the inconvenience?" Right, right. Yeah. So it's like, I dare I say hello to this, you know, this thing standing over here. I was, I was just like, 
all right, well, I'm, I guess I'll go to my car, you know, I'll text my girl back, you know, see what's for dinner. I don't, I don't know like, what to do here because normally in any other situation where I've ever been, it's like, hey, well, you know, how you doing? Like, I'm so-and-so. Like, how do you know? Blah, blah, blah. How do you guys know each other? Like, they, you, normally people want to, you know, get to know who you are. But, you know, just, you know I'm not, not going to say, like, like, I'm, of course, I'm by far, like, you guys know me, like, I'm not the kind of person to cry victim or whatever, like, this is not who I am, like, <laughs> so, like, I don't really care, I'm like, okay, that's you, man, you're a stupid person, like, whatever, I don't want to talk to you anyway, you're not cool, obviously, you don't really respect me as a person, like, you don't even acknowledge me as a person, so, for, to me, it's just, like, you know, whatever, but, um, for other people who are just kind of, I'm not gonna say more sensitive, but, like, more in tune with that, and, like, they need that, like, it makes sense that you have to, I mean, you have to have people like white people speak up and like be like hey yo like this is my boy d hunt like like yes i mean like what are y'all like what are y'all doing like yeah i'm an influencer or whatever but like how are you not saying what's up to this guy he's you know like he's up and coming trying or not, to or not even all, all that just like yes. hey, here's, hey here's my boy dan the boy dan like, yeah like that's like that 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 little stuff would make so much more difference down the road like 10 years from now if people start doing that but we'd be so far along. I will say, like, I definitely have my preconceived notions about golf. And, Same. <laughs> and, you know, I think that in large part, other than well, – I, I, it, it, there clearly was no fear of the game itself. Right. Um, I think there was a part of me that just thought, you know, it's a sleepy old-timer game, you know. It's a <laughs> um, and, you know, I definitely – I just didn't think golf was the place for me in large part because of my perception of the, like the country club lifestyle. And I mean, to be frank, like, I don't know any, like even successful black people that are in country clubs. Right. Um, and so it's just not something I'm familiar with. So I never gave it much thought. And I think that in large part was like a big fear of mine of getting into golf. But since I've been I've been playing golf now two years, and Dan's basically seen like my like my whole experience <laughs> to be honest because we met randomly on the course. Yeah, Chastain. Um, shout out Chastain. So close. Yeah, shout out Chastain. Um, every I, I I cannot stress this enough. Like ninety nine point nine percent of the people I've met in golf have been awesome. Yeah. They've been mm -hmm. super nice, like super welcoming. I mean people offering like like not offering but like giving me business cards like you know to hit them up about job opportunities and talking about life talking about real things opening up about family like yeah. way more in-depth conversations i've had with total random strangers in golf than i've had anywhere else yeah. and it's pretty amazing yeah and yeah, I, don't, I mean i don't think, I that think highlighted enough yeah so i think and it's it's funny because like you guys, you guys say those things, and and to further that that fact is that, I mean, of people my age, you two are the first black golfers that I've ever like truly played with. Like, I maybe I've played with one or two here and there, but never any none of my friend groups, not our club golf team at Virginia Tech. Um, now I don't know if that's still the case, but at least when I was a member, it was all white kids or Asian kids, and so. 
Um, I think that's why I think that things like the first T are so important. Yeah. And it's actually funny. I, I actually applied to work on the first T and then right, be- right before they started doing training was when coronavirus hit. Yeah. Oh, dang. So hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting involved with that um, in Atlanta whenever that, that uh, opens up. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, I can definitely see how there would be a, a an intimidation factor to like hey if i don't have any if none of my role models or none of my um elders play golf and and it's considered a white man's game which is stupid because it's the most one of the most fun games that anyone can play in my opinion and it's a way to stay competitive and stay active and socialize and i mean we all love it that's why we're talking about it on a freaking podcast. But I mean, the the fact that people would be intimidated to uh, to join makes me sad. Like I want everyone to enjoy golf the same way I do. So um, I guess my my question for you guys, being the the white guy of the group, is if you could tell everyone, every every white person from <laughs> middle America, we'll call it, to do two things to, or even one thing to better yourself and better educate yourself or better, like, acclimate yourself in, in biracial climates, like, what would, what would you suggest? That's a tough question, man. (laughs) I, I think the biggest thing is just listen and have empathy right like i think there definitely is this perception that black people are just making excuses and are sensationalizing their experiences and because of that they de- they discredit some of the stories that we have and you, you hear a lot right oh just playing the race card right or stuff like that and i think that like Something that I can't stress enough to all groups is like, black people are tired about talking about race. I don't want to talk about this. Dan doesn't want to, no one wants to talk about this, right? But like, this is a part of our existence. And so we're forced to talk about it through no fault of our own other than the color of our skin. And so I think, yeah, a big thing would just be listen and be um, empathetic, you know, right? Like, I think like that's something like I continuously think to myself about this current climate is like, if the tables were flipped, and sure, it's easy for me to say, because like, I've gone through some of these experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Almost been shot by the police, racially profiled when I was 12 years old. Like, these are things like I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Do I talk about them? very much no like dan and i just talked about it for the first time the other day we've been knowing each other for two years and we're, we're two black guys right like we don't like to talk about these things um but yeah it's just if if the tables were turned and you know white people were going through this sort of systematic oppression I have a hard time sitting here thinking that I wouldn't reach out to my white friends of, of which I have a lot. My parents are white, right? Like my girlfriend's (laughs) white. Um, I would have a hard time thinking that I wouldn't reach out to people and just 
one say like hey how are you right yeah. how, how are you doing right or, or like what could i do or just have some empathy yeah. i don't think it's very hard and i think no, that's i think that's i think I mean, that's one of the frustrating things yeah and i i, I hope I, in some small part, was able to do that today. But I mean, I, I think this has been an awesome conversation and I've Sorry. learned a lot. And, and I mean, I consider you guys good friends and um, love yeah. playing golf with you guys. And, and hopefully once Corona's over, <laughs> can't wait to get out to the bars and stuff like that. But uh, Damn, yeah. what you think? Um, so basically, basically answering what white people do to make this better, right? <laughs> yeah i mean basically yeah i mean um man like me i see i'm i'm super introverted so like when i go to the golf golf course well when I'm, I'm there to play golf so i don't usually at first i don't give a shit about who i'm being paired up with or whatever like, i'm there to like try and get better but like after that then i'm like okay like it's who i'm playing with any kind of fun like do i feel like a part of the group you know what i'm saying like I don't have to be your best friend, but like less like I mean I should be able to like just treat me like one of the boys. Like you don't have to say like oh you know are you black are you are you furloughed or you know how's COVID treating you like don't just like you know look at me because I'm black just be like we got we have to treat them a certain way we have to talk about certain things just just I mean like it's like it. normal just be you yeah. like that's that's all I care like um I don't know if anybody knows anything about the Enneagram um system but i'm a four so that means i when i meet you i just want you to be you i don't want you to have to put on any kind of way i'm going to be me like no matter what regardless i need you to be you now if we get along from there you know we get along if, if we don't i'm cool with that but like i just need you to be genuine like be genuine and we're cool like we're, we can be the coolest of friends don't come at me with that fake shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't stand fake people, man. Like, oh my gosh, that, that two-faced stuff uh, that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, just be, just be genuine, man. Just treat me like one of the boys. Like, treat me how you would want to be treated. I'll exactly. Yeah. Like, that's, Golden roll. That's, that's literally it. Cool. Well, yeah, I think I think the only other thing that I I saw that I guess I want to touch on is like the blackout Tuesday stuff. And uh, I think a lot of people misunderstood the point of it. Um, the point is not to mute yourself for 24 hours. The, the point is to mute yourself from talking about yourself or your interests in order to promote causes that are, are addressing this issue. So, I mean, I think that hopefully, hopefully people that listen to this can reach out to their local organizations or donate to causes to help progress it because i mean at the end of the day these these things cost money to they cost money to make change as bad as as bad as that sounds i mean donating to naacp uh, i think it's the uh, legal defense fund yeah, um, is a yeah. big one um i think reclaim the block is another one um but yeah i hope hope hopefully this conversation um i know like i said i know i learned a lot um and I, I continue to strive to be better. I'm certainly not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, um, hopefully we can continue this conversation and, and uh, don't let it end with Blackout Tuesday. Let's let's keep it going and make some change. Definitely. And, and let me just stress, like, this is not 
a only white people thing, right? Like black people have prejudices and preconceived notions of other groups. So it is to say like, we all just need to do better. Yeah, but but I, I would like to say like well, like you said is we are the the thing is we're talking about Black Lives Matter now. Yes, and yeah. that's why we want to. And I appreciate you saying that. I mean that that does certainly means a lot because I know there are a lot of like I said it when white people like to suppress it because it makes them uncomfortable and makes them feel bad about themselves. And there are a lot of really good white people that are not racist, but. Yeah. 100%. There are there certainly are ones that are and I'm curious. That's where... Um Jay has has anything as in the past 3 years has anything has any of this ever made you feel uncomfortable to talk about or Yeah, like, I mean at, like at first like when you like at first I mean I would be lying if I didn't say that I was I've been slightly uncomfortable this entire call. I mean I, feel, <laughs> I mean I I I do there it is a it's a touchy subject it 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 feels like some a lot of times it feels like I'm walking on eggshells and sometimes I feel like sometimes I have to like like sometimes when I make a comment I'm not sure if it's if it's appropriate and and I that's where that subtle like what Justin said that subtle racism comes into play where I don't think I'm a racist I I like to think that I treated everyone the same but I think there's a very real chance that I don't and that's why like that's why I asked that question I said why what what is what are things that we can do to be better and and so yeah I mean it's it's I think I've gotten more comfortable with it since I left Pittsburgh and not to say Pittsburgh's a racist uh city it's just that the community I grew up in was not very diverse and so um I'd say since going to college living in dc and living in atlanta i think that like i said i've i've learned a lot i i can i have a lot more empathy for the situation and and like i said just try to and the more i talk about it with you guys and with other black people it it becomes more comfortable and it becomes more clear where those subtle prejudices are coming into play and and how to squash those Okay. Hey, kudos to you, man, for having this discussion, Jake. Yeah. Like, we've been golfing, you you and me, for, what, probably like three months now, maybe going on four? Yeah, somewhere around there. We definitely haven't had this in-depth of a discussion, but it was effortless, man. Like, it, it seemed – it was seamless, like, very comfortable for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad my my discomfort gives you comfort, and and hopefully I can flip that on you on the golf course. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I was, kudos, man. Yeah, I was I was just curious because um because I, I don't I don't understand what like what so many people get so upset about like you know you see Brooks post something and you just see all these comments and you're like. Why are you so upset? He hasn't said anything. All he said mm-hmm. was, "I support people of color." That's all he's saying, and then they they're just just losing Great. shit. Well, so and I'm, that's and was, that's where that curious. and that's that's kind of where that discomfort comes from. Is you're afraid that the smallest thing will be taken out of context, and then all of a sudden you're you're a you're a racist. And <laughs> that's and that's what people don't want. And like I said, that's I think that's why white people are so afraid to have these conversations and why like i like until this started happening i would never thought to bring it up because i mean 
to an extent, I mean, like you said, Justin, like you don't want to have these conversations. Like that's not what you guys want to talk about. Or it's not that you don't want to have these conversations. You don't want to talk about race, but these conversations are important and educational. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I was just curious because it's, it's wild. It's like to me, like if I, if I know something's wrong, like even if like it wasn't me who did it, like obviously you know, whoever we see today, they don't have slaves. Like, they haven't done anything, but it's like, you know, like it's a, I mean, it's an obvious, like we all went to school, like it's all in the history books. So it's like, a, it's a known thing that it happened. And like, you're trying to, <laughs> you're trying to like, let's say you're a middle-aged white man. You're literally trying to act like this kid who just walked out of class, like he's upset. You know, he, he has this thing on his mind. Like he's, you know, he's confronted about different stuff. He's confronted by kids at white kids at school, but you're trying to act like that didn't happen when we all read the same history just gets revised and put in new paperbacks, but it's the same history. So you're trying to act like this didn't happen. Like he just read about it three hours ago. And you're but that, like, but that's you're like the oh, thing. it didn't happen. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's not even an acknowledgement that it didn't happen. It's just very, very, very whitewashed, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, <clears throat> talk about reading. I mean, it was definitely a bit traumatic. And my pops, like, probably shouldn't have read it to me. But he was, like, trying his best as a white guy <laughs> raising a mixed kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Roots, okay. yo, if you if you get the time, like, go read the book. Don't watch the movie. Read the book, Roots, The Roots. Um, I mean, it's about a slave in America. And it's very graphic. It's very detailed. And like, that is what happens, right? Like, I mean, you'll hear stuff even about the founding fathers where it's like, yes, they had slaves, but they treated them well. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. They didn't want them. They didn't want them. Okay. They didn't want them. Okay. So why they have them then? I don't understand. <laughs> it's just like, no, like, let's just be, let's be, let's talk about it. Let's be honest about what happens. And I think that's, that's part of the issue is a lot of it has gotten whitewashed. You know, I think a lot of people also think like with the Civil Rights um, Act being signed into law, that that made everything equal and that it erased, you know, 350 years of oppression. And, you know, this is like brutal oppression. We're not just talking about like, <laughs> I like, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to like comprehend it, honestly, what some people might think, but like people were slaves. Right. <laughs> they were property. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, that stuff, just because a bill is written, that stuff, those perceptions, right, those institutional things don't just go away. Well, it's not even like, well, I mean, it's, it's that, so they're a property, but it's in like, you know, it's like different levels to it. Like, think about some of the shit you own and think about how you treat it. You know what I'm saying? Think about how you treat your driver after a bad <laughs> Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, talking, we're on a golf podcast. Let's, let's let's think about let's take that and put it into golf. Like my clubs, my irons are like shit right now, but my driver looks great. My you know, there's some clubs that look better than others. So it's like take that you know to the slave days. It's like you know you have the people in the field, you have the house, the house people. It's like there's levels to it. So on top of oppression, you have okay, the house people look down at the people in the field. Cause they're darker 
and that still goes on today. Yeah, yeah. Sex the fact trafficking. that yeah. light skinned blacks are well, light skinned boys. Looking, yeah, right. Like <laughs> light skinned blacks looking is more good looking than darker skin, right? And I mean, I went to HBCU for a year, and like the whole pageant thing, right? And that, every year it was basically a big issue because yeah. the light skinned girl would typically win. Oh, I didn't know this. And, and I've been discriminated against, or you know, looked down upon by other <laughs> black people because I'm not black enough, or you know, I'm I'm light skinned, so I'm seen as soft. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's deep, man. It's deep. Yeah, you yeah. Like, I mean, my mom I mean, is the same, <laughs> but she's like yeah. black. Yeah, I mean, the, but that's that's the thing is like one of the most horrific things that we we that we deal with today, and and it's a big deal in Atlanta. Literally, every time you go to the airport, you're reminded of it is human trafficking and yes. oh, sex trafficking, and, and that's that's slavery. That's that's slavery, and that's what like I mean, that's what we're trying to. I mean, like you said, we don't want to erase it. We just want to call ourselves out and and better understand how we got to where we are today and how do we how do we continue to progress yeah 100 man Whew, man deep that was, that was a good oh, time. i'm gonna i'm gonna sleep like a baby tonight <laughs> you, you guys wore me out <laughs> got it all out yeah. oh my gosh that's hilarious so on, a, on, a, on a funner note what, what course are we playing this weekend fellas well i will uh, i will not be playing with you guys this weekend i'll be out of town but what? i'll be back the following weekend I'm, I'm going back up to virginia so i'm gonna play lands down this weekend oh yeah yeah that's right hey, i don't know oh jd we'll have to um figure something out. i'm trying to keep an eye on the weather i don't know what it's gonna do i don't know if we'll have to obviously we'll try to play it in the morning saturday or sunday but I don't know. Well, I guess it has to be Saturday. I'm busy Sunday morning, but yeah, it looks like rain possibly Friday and Saturday, which I'm not excited about. I'm pissed. Because last week I looked at it and I was, it was like nothing but sun. But feel like for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll text you and we'll try to figure out where we're going to try to make up at. Cool. And we're uh, we're one week aw- we're one week away from uh professional golf on tv for real charles schwab oh uh, as long as we're not starting with uh what's the deer the deer rest deer in peace well, john deere classic yeah john yeah so i'm not starting off rest with in that. peace be the bottom 150 players <laughs> to start off the season <laughs> they canceled it it's so sad <laughs> i think it's the greatest thing they've done since uh yeah you think players. they'll still do the uh tour championship i yeah, don't know yeah. it's so hard to say i i'm like te- hesitant to predict anything's gonna happen just because i don't know how i yeah i think that things are gonna happen in the near future and i feel pretty confident that but we have to see how the how covid19 progresses i know it's like <laughs> like it's like is it is it gonna mutate and is it gonna get worse or is it gonna or are we gonna start to develop some sort of an immunity to it but I, i'm just taking it day by day and i'm happy that we're gonna have a tournament here and i'm i got my spreadsheets geared up we're ready to get some bets in <laughs> hey, help me in. jake help me jake in. is thirsty for a little action help me in. <laughs> Take my monies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we have the, the Mad Towns betting on freaking, I mean, the most ridiculous stuff. We're betting on Tom Brady's hat. We're yeah, betting on hat who's, logo. Gonna, who's gonna win the front nine and all over, this little stuff. <laughs> over under Tiger Club Twirls. 
All right. Did he even club throw? Oh, yeah. He club throw a whole bunch. That that over-under was toast on, like, the third (laughs) hole. Dude, he was on point, I feel like. (laughs) He had so much time to get ready for this. (laughs) All righty. Well, that was fun, boys. Yeah, man. Um, been yeah, well, Justin, Justin will definitely be back on the pod, but uh, for sure. Yeah, until till next week, uh, we'll we'll uh, like I said, uh, follow us, uh, Center Cup Pod on Insta and Twitter. Uh, I'm I'm Jake the Snake Golf on yeah, Insta. Give me, yeah, give us uh, some login info, bro. D Hunt is D Hunt Golf on Insta, and Justin, what what is yours again? Just Duvarney. Just Duvarney. So yeah, look us up and uh, and we'll we'll be sure to post some post some content. Uh, like we said, we want to try to share all of our our uh, our course adventures and escapades and and uh, show off Atlanta golf and hopefully start to expand outside of Atlanta too. Heck yeah, sweet. Right, yeah. Until next time. Yes, sir. Cool. Appreciate it, Justin. All right, peace, dude.